Again, this is Thursday, October 21st, and we're listening to KNKR LP 96.1 FM Kohala. And this is the Kuka Kuka Kalani Show. And I'd like to thank uh, all you guys for tuning in and listening in this evening. And this is, uh, what is this, fourth, third Sunday? No, Thursday, Thursday. (laughs) And uh, we have our guest speaker, 
uh, Councilman Tim Richards, who's uh, sitting here with us. Hello. Hello, Tim. Thank you for, uh, you know, always uh, coming to the station. Well, thanks for the invitation. Yeah. Good yeah. fun. Uh, we also got a couple couple guys. You're just sitting in. Uh, that's uh, we got Gerald Skelton, who's how's it, Gerald? Uh, he's the president of the Ida Care Neighborhood Watch. Yeah, my good friend uh, Al Hayashi is a uh, diving buddy for many years. We we sit in together on this program because you know sometimes uh, uh, guests uh, they don't make it. And so he's here, and we get to reminisce about uh, plantation days and stuff like that. And some of our listeners out there, you know, they're near to the community. And they like to hear stories about Kohala back in the uh, old days. But anyway, before we uh, get to our guests, uh, I just have an announcement I'd like to make. Uh, this is from uh, BISAC, or the Big Island Substance Abuse Council, mm. and the uh, Kohala Coalition Against Drugs, or KCAD. And on October 26th, a Tuesday, they're going to have a sign-waving event. And this is uh, creating an awareness from uh, 3.30 to 4.30 p.m. And they're going to be meeting across on the Koala Elementary School. And the purpose is uh, uh, Ole Drugs. It's our kuleana to take care of our ohana. And so the uh, BISAC and KCAD are going to be sign-waving to bring attention to no drugs in our community. And the contact people for that sign-waving event is Joel or Kathy, and you can call them at 889-0404. That's 889-0404, extension 104. And they really appreciate people turning out and standing with them in supporting uh, Ole Drugs. And that's on October 26th, Tuesday, from 3.30 p.m. to 4.30 p.m. And uh, we want to thank uh, Joel and Kathy for, you know, doing th uh, those kinds of activities for our community. But tonight we've got uh, Tim, Councilman Tim Richards. I know all of you have been waiting on pins <laughs> and needles. <laughs> i got a few questions for you later on. You know, um... I tell people, why don't you call in? And they go, no, 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 no. But I'll tell you what the questions are. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sounds good. But anyway, Tim, uh, thank you for being here this evening. Again. Oh, thanks. How, Always, How's everything Jeff. going with you? Oh, well, typical busy, busy time and a lot of stuff going on around the, the county and around our district. And as you know, I, I almost every month we try to bring in a guest. And I was thinking about bringing one in this month. And I thought, you know, Maybe we should just catch up and talk story about a few things going on around here and around Kohala. And so I thought, well, had some stuff going on this last couple, three, four weeks and, and longer. So I just thought we'd just catch up on some of that stuff that came through council this week. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay. Yeah, well, <laughs> I was thinking a pause. That's good. Okay. <laughs> so, so I just, um, you know, again, catching up. Everybody knows that the Kohala pool is open. So once again, that's a good deal. I know that's near and dear to your heart, Jeff. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, we have the Kapa'au Veterans Wall of Honor uh, by the old, old Judiciary Building, which is um, next to the Kamehameha Statue. And that that wall of our veterans has been deteriorating just due to, to Mother Nature. And so the 
veterans group out here worked with them, and so we've got funding coming forth where they're going to redo it and put it. You know, we have the new technology where they can um, put pictures and all on aluminum plates, so it's much more durable. And so we got the funding came through oh, this week for that. So all right. you know, Joe Carvalho has been working real hard on that, and um, Colin Colo has also been part of that. So that stuff is coming forth. Um, had a real interesting conversation this week about the it's what they call the uh, HSAC package, legislative package. And HSAC stands for Hawaii State Association of Counties. So this is all the, the, the leadership from the counties, Kauai, Maui County, Oahu City and County, and then Big Island. And they put together things that they would like the legislature to work on. One of them was amending the Sunshine Law. And first thing people do is get a little excited when you start talking about the Sunshine Law because people are believing that, uh, you know, we want the um, the sunshine, the openness of government to disappear. And that's actually not the big intent of this amending the sunshine law. There's some procedural things that are very, very cumbersome. For one, if there's more than two council members that show up to a meeting, just yeah, an like informative a community, meeting. Yeah, community meeting, we have to file paperwork to tell everybody there were more than two of us. Seems a little bit much. And this isn't behind closed doors. I think this is it's just that if we show up, we have to file paperwork. And another thing, and this is one that um, and Councilman Chung brought this up, and I think he has a very valid point. For us to talk about anything, we have to put it on an agenda, publish that agenda at least six days in advance of the meeting, and then hold the meeting. Realistically, to get through the process of putting on the agenda and all. It takes about two weeks. We receive requests from our legislature that want us to weigh in on a bill or a resolution and say, what is your opinion from a county, from the county council? And normally we have 48 hours to respond. There's no way as a council we can do this. And so we, we have no way of responding to the legislature. So a lot of stuff happens with the county never weighing in on it because we have no way to do that. There, There's a lot of discussion. Maybe there's a way we can actually do that. And again, nothing nothing behind closed doors, just some way to function so we can get things done and actually work on behalf of the county. So that's something that they're, the legislature will work on. And again, that's the legislature. We have no say in what happens. That's the legislature that they uh, Why did that. they have this in the first place? The Sunshine Law? Yeah. Transparency. Yeah. Oh. To make sure that you know there weren't any backroom deals going on or anything like that, and um, and I, I get it to a point. That's how we function. But you know, some people watch the the council meetings and they say, "Boy, you guys act like you've never heard this topic when it comes up on the floor." A lot of times, we've never heard of it because we're not allowed to discuss anything. And so, council members, we can talk to one other council member, and that's it before a meeting. And I can talk to one. But I can't talk to one and then go in another room and talk to another one because that's considered daisy chain. So everything that we talk about as far as any legislation is only on the council floor. And so that it's cumbersome, but I get it. I understand why. This is in an effort to help us respond to the legislature so we can do a better job for the county. In the past, were people making deals behind closed doors or something? Or? Predates me, um, and I... There must have been something that happened at some point that raised this up. 
and a lot of places across the nation function under this. Um, the, 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 the counties do. The state doesn't function under this, but the counties do. I know this even uh, goes down to the uh, CDP. Mm-hmm. They come under the uh, Sunshine Law as yep. well. Any of the commissions all come under the Sunshine Law, and you can't, you can't discuss anything. If something comes up before you, you can't actually discuss it until you put it on the agenda and let everybody know you're going to talk about it yeah. in the next meeting. Yeah. Well, what would you like to see happen? Um, I'd like to be able to respond to the legislature in a timely fashion. Mm-hmm. And um, they, there's a concept of, you know, we have a resolution that, um, or I guess it would be a resolution coming from the council that we could circulate real quick and say kind of a yes, no, do you support this, yes, no, and we could all sign it either yes or no, and then that could be used as a um, vote or a input to the legislature, and then at the next meeting we could then discuss it and and go forward. So I guess we'd be making the decision without discussing with other council members, but we could give that um, opinion. So. All right. I'm guessing because, again, that framework hasn't been laid out. And then some of the stuff they had to – you'll like this one, Jeff. All, all these Zoom meetings yeah. were technically not allowed. Oh, really? Yeah, because it violates Sunshine Law. And in order to be compliant with Sunshine Law, every place that you have testimony must be, for one, um, ADA compliant. Oh, so okay. technically, if you're doing this from home, if yeah. your home is not ADA compliant and open to the public, so th- there are some structural things that COVID showed we had to make some changes, and some of those have, have been made already. But you know, again, just trying to keep up with the the speed of what things need to transpire. So that that's where that came from, and I don't know how that's going to end up because again, that's a legislative thing. That's not something we have input. It's just. We're saying, hey, we'd like you to look at this so we can help better take care of the communities. Does it ever get frustrating? I mean, very. You, know, you want to, you want to, you got to. I, I think right now you guys got a lot of work to do. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, I wouldn't want to be in your shoes, to be honest. You know, well, I mean, this. It, it's, uh, it's tough and it, it does get frustrating when you're. You're so tangled up in procedure that you can't yeah, actually get yeah. forward. You know, it's another thing we talk about. There's a. Um, Came forward this um, this week, and it was a second reading on a million dollar grant that we got for taking care of um, paying for expenses from that Mana Road fire, the Mana Waimea Waikoloa fire, and a lot of conversations around that. Um, but it's so cumbersome to get people paid and reimbursed and all that. And a lot of conversation was had about that. And, you know, how do we streamline that? Uh, there's a bunch of small operators, and when I say operators, I'm talking like heavy equipment people and all that. They, they came to Kokua, help out Kapu, and they did a really good job. Now we're trying to get them paid, and that was, you know, four months ago now. Uh, no, two months ago. Uh, coming up on three months. And uh, that being able to get the funding to them you have to go through and you have to be you have to jump through a whole bunch of hoops because these grants and these are um state and federal grants come through with a bunch of rules on how they're administered so we have to be very very careful on how we administer them but 
the more careful you are, the longer it takes because you have to make sure everything is just mm-hmm. so. Yeah, and so I can see that. real frustrating to, um, especially for the people that try to help. So, um, Councilwoman Sue Leloy and I were out there and we're trying to facilitate. We got some good stuff that happened, then some stuff that's bogged down in the in the governmental red tape right now. We're trying to push through that, and that that triggered a lot of conversation about that and how we go forward to take care of communities, especially not just pay for the fire and the damage. Or I mean the expense of fighting the fire, but then also, how do we start rebuilding the the damage that was occurred? Yeah, yeah. Very expensive fire. I I think the estimates are approaching ten million dollars to fight the fire, and probably another somewhere between as near as I can put the numbers together, twelve to fourteen, maybe fifteen million dollars in damage. So very expensive fire for our county. Uh, is there any plans to? I don't know. Is there anything they can do to? Uh, I don't know. I, I know I, I would see these dust storms. Well, that's part of the deal because we got, um, and I was on a, as you know, I, I sit on um, some of the national right. associations for the mm-hmm. county, and we were discussing that. It's not just the fire. We now have an environmental issue because we got all this open soil, so we get the dust. And then we have people concerned about aquifer recharge. If you don't have the the growth of the plant, that then kind of holds the moisture so it percolates down into the soil. You have runoff, and then with the runoff, you have we get those brown rivers and then concern All for right, the nearshore right. yeah. coastlines, and it gets bigger and bigger yeah. and bigger. And then, of course, that, that primarily area is um, livestock. You have the impact on the, the livestock industry and how long is it going to take for that to recover. And of course, then we have the infrastructure, fences, and pipelines, and how do we help get things back to normal? Because that impacts the families. It it, it kind of snowballs in and itself. So. Is, and so is that part of like county council? Or? No, I mean that, that's a bigger, t- that's typically state, but it starts at county. Yeah. yeah. No matter wh- whether it's county, state, or federal, yeah, it's right. county. Yeah. You know, because yeah. it starts with us and we try and put the players together to get things done. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, it's talk about a spectrum of yeah. things. We go from the Veterans Wall of Honor to Sunshine Law to Fight Fire. Oh, you know what? Uh, just want to tell all the guys out there who think of running for office, maybe should uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you have second thoughts, maybe now's the time. Well, no, you get you know, I, I, honestly, I you know, you come on this program once a month, mm-hmm. and I sit and I listen to all the stuff that you gotta do, <laughs> and I go, wow. <laughs> I thought all you guys did was sit in those nice chairs at the <laughs> county council room and, you know, talk story with your mics or something. That's what I, I thought. That's why I ran. <laughs> but <laughs> no, all kidding aside, our county, you know, we we have a good, solid county, but we've got some challenges. You know, like we had the um, the Kole Kole Bridge oh, on yeah, the Hilo. Right. You know, that, this is another. What happened there? Well, the infrastructure, the undercarriage, um, they reviewed it about, and this was a conversation with the Department of Transportation, uh, they, they had recognized it was deteriorating, and it was on the recheck list. I think it was a six-month recheck list, and they were shocked at how much it had deteriorated in that six months. And so there's been emergency funding appropriated, and uh, initially it was a four-ton limit. Then they were able to bump it up to 12 tons, and 
and we were communicating with truckers and, you know, the cattle industry, anybody moving something heavy, even the fire trucks couldn't roll across it because, oh, wow. yeah, it, it, they were too heavy. So a uh, long story short, got up to 12 tons. So I think we are short-term okay for for uh, local traffic and, you know, a, a gooseneck and all can go across there, but the big double-deckers cannot. So where do they go? They got to go Saddle Road. Oh, wow. Yeah, so... You know, th- there's a lot of challenges, and this is kind of highlights the whole infrastructure, which gets on the bigger scale of the um, the infrastructure bill and that $3.5 trillion bill that been been proposed out of Washington, D.C. I don't think it's going to make it 3.5, but again, sitting on these um, national calls, we talk about the availability, and one of the nice things that um, this administration, the Biden administration, is working towards is some direct funding to the counties as opposed to funding going to the states and then to the counties. I think there's some advantages there. But, you know, it's a, a tough time. Our economy's taking right. a lot of hits, and funding is is scarce. Yeah, I know. I uh, I remember going to Hilo, and I remember, oh, yeah, the bridge. And anyway, I kept going. And, yeah, by that time, I think it was a 12-ton limit, so, mm. you know, it's no problem. But I noticed there were these road guards there. Mm-hmm. Are, there are there 24-7 or? To my knowledge, yeah, because we've made it, we as a state have made a distinction that this is a risk. And so they're going to guard the bridge until it's repaired, which is, as I understand, according to the Department of Transportation, um, Probably a 90 to 120 day window that to, until uh, construction or repairs are completed. So this isn't one of those things going out for bids six months from now uh-huh. in a year. So they're going to do it extremely quickly. But that highlights the problem of the bridges all Hamakua because all about the same age. You know, they're 60, 70 years old, and they're hitting end of life. And so something's going to have to be done about that. You go to Wyoming and drive 40 miles, it's blacktop. And, you know, the road may cost 2 to $3 million a mile because it's not a lot to do. Each one of those bridges is probably replacement cost 15 to $20 million. And how many are there? How many bridges are there? I was uh, that. Huge. A bunch. I, I, I don't know what the total count is, but I'm I know the county bridges, we have about 1,000 bridges. You know, the, you know, the oh, um, you know, right. Pawila Malka type of bridge, those yeah, yeah, wooden yeah, bridges. Yeah. We have about 1,000 bridges, as I understand, of all different sizes. So it's a lot of bridges. I never thought it would be like county and state bridges, but yeah. Like county and state roads, same yeah. thing, right? And, and I think that the actual regulated bridges, if I recall this right, Ikaika Rodenhurst, who was one of our guests, I think he said there's 117 big bridges that they have to pay attention oh, to. Wow. So, I, And they're expensive. They're very expensive. You know, I was wondering if you knew, uh, you know, when they do, do the assessment of a bridge, what exactly is deteriorating, you know? Um. Well, they look at the foundation. That was part of the Kole oh, Kole Bridge. It's only the bridge up. Yeah, the, and the, the piers that it's sitting on. Uh, okay. And then also the steelwork. And that was a bridge, if you recall, and that's why they closed Kole Kole Park. There was lead in the paint. So they had to remove all the paint. And um, that's why they closed Kole Kole Park, because there was a lead exposure concern. And But then 
you know, now we have a deterioration oh, problem. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, they'll see that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you want to keep me keep me talking though. We, you know, I'm, since we're talking on that stuff, one of the big things that came up this week was um, wastewater management, and we've talked on that a little bit before, but. Um, Ramsey Monsoor, who's our environmental management director, came before and gave an update. And we have three wastewater plants on east side that combined have about $160 million worth of maintenance and repair needed almost immediately. And then about another $30 million project for changing some of the sewer lines that are the old ductile iron that were put in the ground maybe 60, 70 years ago, and they're <clears throat> deteriorating. So we have a $200 million need right now for wastewater, so how do we address that? And um, again, looking to see how we can, we can't do the whole thing at once, but maybe there's a way that we can work again if we have the infrastructure funding, if we can bond it meaning um, creating a bond is like borrowing money and then you pay very, very low interest back to the governments usually um, to do this so we can stretch out the payments on this thing. But $200 million, our county budget is $600 million, so that's a huge bite for just three projects. I was going to ask you, um, you know, wastewater, as a homeowner, uh, I think it's, what, 2050? 2050, correct. What do you call those things? S- septic systems. Yeah, septic yeah. systems. Yeah. And I think right now they're like maybe 15 grand or so. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward, like, the way things are rising in price, what the cost would be for a septic system. Well, and, and that's one of the concerns from the wastewater. Don't you love these th- talk stories? We jump all <laughs> over the place. The wastewater um, in the state, there's estimated to be somewhere around 80,000 cesspools of which 50,000 are supposed to be on this island. Oh, yeah. wow. So, and, and, and if you think about oh, yeah, it, yeah. we have uh, approaching 60% of the state landmass, so more or less it makes sense, but we only got 10% of the population. But that being said, we're supposed to convert by EPA federal law to at least septic system by 2050. The problem is it's expensive, and so then they say, well, um, and there's also lots that are prohibited from putting in septic systems because they're too small. Okay, so then what? Well, then you build a waste treatment plant, and if you do the funding to do that, then the hookup cost is more than the house is worth. So so we have a federal law we must be compliant with, but there's no easy way forward. And so that's why there's a lot of people trying to be very creative on this going forward. Oh, you know, that's good that uh, we bring this up because, you know, like the listeners out there are homeowners, mm-hmm. a lot of them. And I know, I know that a lot of them have cesspools. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be, I won't be facing this problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? I got, I got more past and future here, but my, my kids are. Well, and, uh, you know. and, and that's the thing, Jeff, and this isn't a problem that we should say, well, you know, it's not my concern because yeah. it's going to happen before no, my I'm time. Yeah. We've got to start working on it now. Yeah. And, um, and septic is usable, 
but in some areas, low population, cesspools do work. And there's some newer technology that actually Ramsey has been looking at to seeing if we can do maybe something a little bit differently. Yeah, yeah. Um, because, like, for instance, the, the one that's been in the newspaper so much is Pahala, old plantation town, and want to build a wastewater treatment because that place has been non-compliant, but the cost is exceedingly high. They can't put in uh, septic systems because by Department of Health, you need to have a 10,000-square-foot lot. So if you only have an 8,000-square-foot lot, you're not allowed to put one in, but you have to get rid of the cesspool, but you have no place to go with your... So what do you do? Yeah, what do you do? And there's no answer right now. So that's what... Well, that's one of your guys' problems that you got to deal yeah. with. So, and, and that's the thing. And I know of another situation just came up this week. Um, the intent is to replace the cesspool. They think they've got the funding, but the lot is sub 10,000 square feet. So if I ask you a question, you know, okay... Just, I'm just going to quickly get into it, but I, want, I don't want to stick in there. So if we're going to, say, affordable housing, mm-hmm. then those lots cannot be less than 10000 No, cannot. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because the in, in modern day, the, where we're running into a problem is, and a lot of stuff is left over from plantation days where mm-hmm. as they're shutting down and they're awarding those houses to the owners and all that, and it didn't matter back then, so... Yeah, right. Nobody yeah. cared. You know, it, it was a lot, the lot, whatever the lot size was. But now it's uh, the, the term uh, non-compliant. Yeah. And, you know, in this county, we have a lot of non-compliant stuff. It doesn't fit the current standard. Okay. But so how do we deal with it going forward? And that's a challenge. Maybe, uh, hopefully somebody, you know, the technology today just grows in leaps and bounds. Maybe right. they'll figure out something where... You could have a cesspool, but I don't know. Something didn't meet the needs. I and that's, I think we're, we're, we're going to have to. The, and there is some technological advancements for waste management that are getting there. And old style versus some of the newer style and, and what we can do. But there is an upfront cost. And so, you know, when it comes to the more populated areas, um, how do we approach that? You know, there's been a looking here in Javi Town. Yeah. And Javi and Union Mill and maybe um, Halaula that would make sense because you have a relative dense population. But again, um, the capital investment, even for this small little, um, what I'd call a container-looking size of um, wastewater, um, we're in the millions. So then you have to, and you have to run it. And so who's going to run it? Who's going to own it? And then we have to deal with the water coming out of it. So how do you manage that? We're not allowed to do injection wells anymore because of the finding in Maui. And I I don't disagree with the finding. I understand the concern. Um, But it's a bigger picture. So let's start talking story now about it. You know, we have, uh, I live in Ainuke along with Gerald. He's our neighborhood watch president. And we have uh, an IKEA neighborhood Facebook page. And I think it's run by Yvonne Lester. And she was bringing up, you know, she said, I IKEA people, maybe we should begin the discussion on a uh, wastewater system for that s- division, subdivision. Mm-hmm. I don't think, yeah. You know, sh- she's trying to get a discussion going on that. You know anything about that, Gerald? You remember what she? Th- no, no, yeah. 
Oh, I'm sorry. Did you say something? Oh, somehow I'm not getting through you. Anyway, uh, yeah. Anyway, that's something that she was suggesting we do already. I think, again, we need to start the conversation now. Yeah. And yeah. talk story about it because um, we're going to have to plan for it. And there are little communities that have these little package wastewater treatment, but they are expensive, well, relatively expensive. But if we start putting more of them in, someone's got to run them, and we've got to know how to fix them too, and that's a big deal. So, oh, okay. Wow. Uh, well, wastewater leads us into waste management. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this over the period of a few years, you know, there's been changes yep. of what you can and cannot dump, let's right. say. And, you know, I think we've talked about this before. Uh, people are concerned about the solid waste management, green waste management. And, again, we're kind of in a catch-22. Uh, we are hauling all of the waste from around the island to Puanahulu, which is the, um, what do they call it, Pu'u, Pohaku, right, right near the uh, Waikoloa Resort area, just, just on the way to the airport. And that is the EPA-approved waste management. It's a lined pit where we, we bury stuff. And the cost of handling all the stuff is substantially increased because we're hauling everything there, not half of it to Hilo like we did in the past. But Hilo has been there for, what, 80 years, 70 years, something like that. And uh, that's an unlined waste management area. So when it rains in Hilo, like we all know it does, you start getting percolation of the stuff going through the solid waste and... Then we have a groundwater concern, so that's why they capped it and sealed it, and that's why we haul stuff to west side. So, again, <laughs> our biggest problem is we're a big county with long roads and trying to be compliant with all this stuff as we yeah. go forward. It reminds me of the uh, newly dump. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, that's... Uh, well, we're kids, right? Well, the plantation being the bulldozers, you dig a trench. Right. <laughs> go ahead, dump them. <laughs> And then you not bury it. <laughs> not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, yeah, you know, there's, like you said earlier, it's not my problem. It's going to be for the next generation, but it is our problem. It is. If, if and, you know, if guys like you are, are taking it to task. We've got to think 30, 40, 50 years from now. Yeah. What's the impact? Yeah, it's so true. Yeah, it, it, I'm really concerned about it, especially here in Kuala. And, you know, the hard part is that it's this is not the popular kind of decisions to make because you're talking about you're going to have to spend money to deal with this, and you can defer that, but mm-hmm. you're just kicking the can down the road. And I just, yeah. I, I can't do that. What just else you got there? I know you got a whole bunch. Well, I, well, I just, I, I grab stuff, what have I been working on? And you know, one of the things, and I'm sure the community has seen this, if you go to Kamehameha Park, and if you look at the Shiro Takata playing field, you notice the side yeah, is all yeah. deteriorated. So the, the, the Shiro Takata, yeah. the, the field, the, the sign is all rotting. Oh, And it's the, relatively uh, new. The, the pavilion thing. Uh, yeah, it says Shiro Takata. Yeah, and it's yeah, all peeled. Yeah. And so I contacted Parks and Rec, and they are going to jump on it right away. They, they, um, it's a relatively new sign, but that thing came apart very quickly. So... That's already in Parks and Rec. They're already jumping out, and they're going to be replacing that sign real quick. So oh, oh, good, good. I, yeah. know, I know there's, yeah, a, a lot of stuff like that. 
that uh, needs to be taken care of. But you know, uh, th- you mentioned earlier that the pool was open. Yeah, yeah, they got the pump. Yeah, that's a big job. It, well, it's a huge job, <laughs> and to r- really do that whole pool right, we're talking millions. Yeah, and right. um, so what they did was they got it repaired, and I haven't seen the final bill, but I, as I was understanding this, probably couple of hundred thousand dollars to do what they're getting oh, done. Oh, to fix the... Yeah, to fix what they're oh, doing. So yeah. I'm glad the pool is back open, but um, we're okay for now, but we're not, we're oh, not where yeah. we need to be. But, you know, uh, i got to say that uh, that pool is used. Oh, yeah. You know, and, <laughs> uh, they do a good job. Like, I know, w- well, of course, I was a senior lifeguard at one time, but, you know, I, I believe there's only one company that can fix the pump. <laughs> And if they didn't got the parts, they got to ship it in, and that yeah. it takes time. Yeah. And you got to stand in line. You know, uh, they got other uh, things that they're working on. County pump. Well, if it came in, you're number twelve in line. Well, that's when you're gonna get to it. And I remember one year. Uh, who was the mayor? Oh, Harry Kim. And uh, he made a personal call. Mm-hmm. He says, "Can you please?" Kind of move us up the up the line. They did, and you know the people of Kohala. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, especially the people who are handicapped. And I, I remember a good friend, Marilyn. That once a week, that's the only exercise that she could get was going to the pool. And if anything, that that was my motivation to try to keep it open, just so that mm-hmm. that one day a week that she can, you know, get into the pool and exercise. But, yeah, thanks for all your help because uh, I know it's sometimes it needs a little bit of push. <laughs> but, you know, and a lot of things function on um, every place has needs and everybody wants to be first. Yeah. But if you can talk story and figure out, okay, can you go first this time and maybe next time you can help me out and kind of move up? And so, you know, the, this communication and just kind of swap off and uh, help each other out as we go forward rather than trying to bump heads on everything. Just yeah. try to work it out. You know, sometimes, I know, we live in a small community. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we look at maybe Hilo or Kona. And I'll, I'll use their pools, for example. But if... If something breaks down, it's kind of like, oh, well, they get priority because they have a large population. And those people, they're going to yodel. They're going to scream and yell. But that's why. But um, Paula doesn't do that. You know, they're very calm, patient, understanding. I think. (laughs) But that's why, you know, when it comes time, we advocate for our districts, right? Yeah. And so um, when it comes to that. If we need to, again, we talk story. You had Mo Messina, who's the director of parks. Right. He knows oh, yeah, the right. deal. And that's why I called him directly on the Takata sign. I called him directly on the pool. Right on. And um, I said, you know, because I work with, uh, um, there's Lindsay Ayo, who's, who's in charge of the parks on this side. Um, and I work through her and with her, and she helps take care of things. But if we get to something big that needs help fast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, there's behind the scenes stuff. Well, cool you stuff. know, and we, we try to we try to work together to help thing out. Parks and Rec, without question, needs help, and they need help with their their budget, um, especially when it comes to maintenance and repair. And you know, that was another thing that came up this week. 
uh, was on in committee, and it hasn't gone anywhere yet. But they're talking about the three percent TAT or transit oh. accommodation tax, and real interesting. And in talking with the resort community, which realistically will pay most of it, they are supportive of it if we use the funds that come out of that and do things like bolster parks and recreation maintenance, tourism management. You know, we talk about all the problems at Polulu. Mm-hmm. Use some of that funding to help manage that, whatever that means. Create a program, but, but fund it with that. Yeah. Um, you know, the lifeguards at, at um, uh, Kua Hapuna, Kua Bay, yeah. yeah, you know, Th- that is a state-funded, then not funded, right, then right, funded. Right, yeah. And so uh, let's secure some of this stuff. And uh, and they said, you know, we, which will be paying, and I think it's estimated uh, total payments from um, TAT, total payments, including all of the, the tax, not just the county portion, would probably approach $40 million a year or 45 something like that. And um, if the the... Businesses are say, saying, you know, we could support this if it's used to benefit some of the things that are being impacted. Yeah, then then we'll get behind it and we won't fight it. So I thought that was, again, they're coming to the table saying, okay, we'll help. Because they, they know the county is stu- stuck. Um, mm-hmm. As you know, the state removed all of our TAT, so we don't get any of it anymore. And so that left about a $19 million hole in the budget that we have to figure out how to fill. And I'm I am not one for <laughs> increasing taxes, believe me. <coughs> but um, interesting because the tourism industry recognizes the problem that the county got put in, and they're willing to say, well, "We'll try and work with you if we can come up with a solution." Well, you know that makes sense uh, because the tourist industry, they're you know they utilize the parks, they utilize mm-hmm. the facilities. And so contributing towards it makes a lot of sense yep. to uh, keep the upkeep. Now, Tim, we're going to take a short break here. All right. And uh, we'll, be, we'll be right back. And uh, we're sitting here with uh, Councilman Tim Richards, and it's 741. And uh, we'll be right back and continue our discussion of what's happening on the county. Are you at wit's end over a loved one's substance use? Don't know where to turn for help? Talking about everything, Call huh? the Ohana coaches <laughs> at 808-523-7550 to talk to someone who has experienced what you are going through. This is a free service. The Ohana Coach Program is a group of trained volunteer coaches that provide support and resources so for people up. who have loved ones dealing with substance use issues. To talk to a parent coach, call 523 So, hold on. We ran into a little bit of problem there. They walk in, we're going to count the guys for the earthquake. They're all coming in. Oh, yeah, yeah. Aloha, everybody. This is Auntie Puka, and I want to invite you to listen in on Tuesdays to Mila's Lunch Wagon. This is Uncle Bootsy. My nephew just gonna be talking story, I'm gonna be chasing the chickens, and Tipuka gonna be inside the wagon. 
cooking up some chicken katsu as soon as I get the chickens, yeah? We're just gonna be eating lunch, talking story about all kinds of great things. That's Mila's Lunch Wagon, Tuesdays from 11 to 1, right here on KNKR LP 96.1 FM, Kohala. Okay, we're back here live with uh, Councilman Tim Richards. And uh, let me see, I, I think we got a caller in there. Tim, hello, caller, are you there? Yes, I am. Did you have a, well, are you taking questions, Tim? Or? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> of course I am, Jeff. That's this is a talk story. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm talking about repairs. Um, how about those gutters at Kilkia Beach Park? Sounds good to me. I'm going to take a note right now. Um, you know, th this is and this is the kind of input we really need because if I know it's a problem, I'll go look and I'll take pictures and I'll contact the director. Okay. Uh, who's calling, please? Could I ask your name? Who else? Sarah. <laughs> oh, is this you, Sarah? <laughs> yes. Oh, you saw real howly. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, I, th I thought you were disguising your voice, <laughs> <laughs> so nobody. Uh, this is this is Sarah Pulley, but nobody knows. Uh. <laughs> oh, good, good. So, Sarah, thank you so, so much so for how the how call. Do you, uh, how do you how do you deal with this now? Um, well, this like she has calling about a problem, and what I do, and this is what happens at the council office. Someone will raise a concern, and I like to go put my eyes on it, and usually I take pictures, and then I usually send it to whatever department we're, we're talking okay. about. And so I'll go do there. In fact, I think Sarah's the one that brought up the problem with the fence that we had there. Right. Got pictures, and it was a real safety concern. Uh, and nudging, we were going through a little bit of administration change at that time, but we got that thing corrected and got the fence changed. So that, we'll do the same thing. We'll run out there, take a picture, uh, and then we'll talk story and see what we can get done. All right, thank you. Oh, thank Sarah, you. I was going to ask you, uh, you know, I, I had asked her if she had any questions to let me know. And she said, oh, they're in corner. So I thought, oh, we're home free then. But <laughs> 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 well, she calls it. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Sarah, for calling. Did you have any other concerns since well, you're on the line? Only for um, about affordable housing for our young adults, you know. Um, we don't want them to move away. Because okay. we can't afford it, it, it here. You know, and Sarah, um, thank you for asking that question. The numbers, and these are federal numbers, um, and this has been a, an area that I have pushed and pushed and pushed on. We need, it's estimated, 13,000 units of affordable housing by 2025, and that's only four years away or three and a half years, however you want to measure it. And um, the problem is there are people that are willing to build affordable housing, but it has to be supported by the county. And we've got a really an excellent director. Her name's Susan Coons, and she's worked in housing a long time. This administration, Mayor Roth, is very supportive of it. But as these projects come forth, the most the, the problem with affordable housing is to keep it affordable, we have to watch our infrastructure costs. And most of the time for our development, half of the cost here in Hawaii is in the road and the plumbing and the the electrical and all that. And so there are ways to kind of mitigate some of that stuff by having under the state law 201H, which allows kind of a relaxation. Rather than having gutters 
um, you know, like curved road, sidewalks road and gutters. Yeah. yeah, you end up <coughs> having paths. And so it cuts down the infrastructure costs, which cuts down the housing. And I have builders right now that will build housing if they can get the permitting and they can get the structure to make it make sense. So when this comes up, please speak out in support because I completely agree with you. we got to get this housing built, and we got to start now. Yeah. You, know, you know, Zendo Kern, Sarah, yep. when she, uh, he was here. Yep. He was saying that uh, it would cost anywhere from 100 to 200000 per lot. Just for the uh, infrastructure, yeah, that property, yep. and th- that's a big cost. It's a huge cost. Yeah, just hundred before you even start building a lane, house, uh, a house or a yeah. foundation, you got two hundred, two hundred thousand price tag already. And part of that comes into the cost of the land because that's a problem here in Hawaii. And part of it is the infrastructure cost. We just talked about wastewater. What are we going to do with the wastewater and development? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it makes sense if you're going forward, you build enough that supports the infrastructure of a wastewater, but that means you have to have a larger development, which means a community has to recognize the need for this housing. And if it's done tastefully, we got to support it. Yeah. Well, good question, sir. Excellent question, sir. Mm-hmm. Thank Anything you. Anything else you want to bring up? I'm, I'm going <laughs> to talk to Tim about something. I don't, I don't want you on the air, though, because okay. I, I know you, you, you can see me. You can, oh, I'll give you leaking. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. I'll get back to you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Sarah. All yes, right. Th- thanks okay. for calling. All right. Aloha. Aloha. Not my question, but one of the biggest landowners is Surety. Mm-hmm. And they still own some land on the side, like Kinnersley, mm-hmm. behind Kinnersley. Uh you know, in my mind, I always think like, "Oh, I wonder if we could make a deal uh, with them for, for, for at least for land, for abo- affordable housing." You know, mm-hmm. and I know people are gonna probably be yelling at me about this, but you know, they're they're selling their land up at Pololo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I I'm I'm taking that. I I don't know that for a fact. I know there's been a lot of different conversations, but okay. I thought I saw some. Uh, they, they were selling a hundred acre piece and another smaller piece or something mm-hmm. of that. Could be. Yeah. Right. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I sure wish we could work out a deal with them somehow for affordable housing. Well, somehow I don't know. You raise a question. And yeah. It's an interesting concept, and I have no idea what their plans are going forward. Um, that's that's an interesting concept. So you know, let me think on that, and I'll. I'll give them a call and see what's going on. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, every time I I go past, you know, Kenner's, I think, oh, boy, you know. I know people need housing. You know, Tim, I think, you know, as well as I do, the housing industry right now is insane. It's insane. It truly is insane. And one of the problems when we start measuring housing is, well, who's not living in a house? Well, that's not a good way to measure in my mind because we have multi-generational houses where people, you know, grandparents and parents and children, even adult children, are living under one roof. So technically, they're not homeless. So do they need housing? Well, it's depending how you read the data. Short answer is I believe, yeah, you need you need housing. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't show up on some of these reports because they're in a house. So we need more housing I think, than we even realize. So, oh, yeah. Definitely. Well, you know, we, and we have to make it affordable. And that's why some of these projects that people have worked on and talked story about, they want to make it um, sort of 
many faceted, meaning you have maybe studio appointment uh, apartments, small, small, you know, maybe three floors or whatever, um, where you can have a bunch of apartments, very modest, and then maybe you can have some duplexes and then townhouses and then single-family dwelling. And one of the problems with a lot of the affordable housing, they're very specific. If you apply for one affordable housing and you're in the project and say you're in an apartment, but okay, you're making doing a little bit better, you got a family, now you want to move to a house. Well, since you already have a place, you can't apply to go into a house. So you have to leave the development. Well, that doesn't help anybody. And so the more modern concept is say, yeah, if you're there, it doesn't matter if you're living within the development. Sure, you can apply for the house. So that would allow people to scale up and then end of life, start to scale down. And, you oh, know, I see what you mean. And, and so be more mobile. And one of the things with a lot of the affordable housing was they made it so it had a 10-year right. life. Yeah. And at the end of 10 years, it goes to market. Well, that means you don't have affordable housing. The new concept is you assign an appreciation value of whatever, 2%, 3% a year max. And so what happens is in 10 years, this is say, say it's 3%. In 10 years, this is appreciated 30%. And the market may have gone wild, but this is only 30%. And they say, well, you know, does that kind of impact the guy that's living there? I said, well, sort of, it's not market, but then he didn't get in when it was market. And then he can then scale down as long as he's staying within the affordable market framework they're actually doing okay. And then that allows the the next generation to also step into affordable housing. So there's a lot of support for keeping things affordable in perpetuity because the guy that gets it for 10 years and then suddenly hits the jackpot because now it appreciates substantially overnight. Right, right. That's not what we're trying to accomplish right. with affordable housing. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, uh, when I look at Kohala, the, uh, you know, I would say last week, a house was selling for six hundred. Mm-hmm. Today they're selling for a hundred thousand more. Mm-hmm. I mean, the market is just escalating. Right. And I, I, you know, I'm not blaming anyone. No. Or, yeah. or you know, saying, "Oh, you know, uh, you know, it is what it is." But yeah, in looking in the future, you know, I'm thinking like, "Wow, what, what are our children going to do? Our grandchildren? What's going to happen to them?" And so you watch the average age of our Hawaii County, and I pay attention to our statistics. The average age of our Hawaii County is getting higher, not because people are living longer, though they are, but it's because the, the relative number of young people are leaving. Yeah, our, our biggest export is yeah. our, our people. So the only way we're going to change that is if we change the economy so they get job and change the housing so they get house. I know you had a lot of ideas on the, the tourist industry. Uh, we presented <coughs> them to the world. Okay, your mic's on now. <laughs> <laughs> I got it fixed. You better ask some questions. Yeah, uh, you guys got any questions? Uh, okay, Tim, what yes. about pre-made housing? Didn't it start up for a while and it kind of just disappeared? Well, HPM actually has... An, the package deals. Yeah, yeah. The, well, they have the packages. And then they have the affordable, uh, or not affordable, but... Um, they call it modular homes. And those are readily available in HPM, but there's been, quite frankly, has been quite politicized uh, because of inspection versus non-inspection. And relatively speaking, the overall construction, this has been done for decades on the mainland, 
the overall cost per square foot will go down. The concern is, well, what about carpenters? And so, well, you still need the carpenters to assemble this stuff. And this isn't going to, you know, take over the all the building. This is mm-hmm. going to be probably very specific. And so um, I support the modular homes and all uh, because we can get the construction and get the housing before us. And I think we can do it at, it, it's not dirt cheap, but at least a modest price so we can get people into the housing. Mm-hmm. So it's out there. And HPM, I've, I've toured their facility. I think they put out a pretty good product. Now we have to, we, and I'm saying we as government, have to help facilitate this so we can get it actually to the uh, um, foundation. W- one more. I know on the mainland they have a lot of trailer park homes. Mm-hmm. Is that something that could work here? You know, that was a real contentious discussion, and there was, when we were going through Bill, I'm trying to remember the number, I think it was Bill 41, we were discussing that, and there is kind of a hard pushback against trailer homes. Negative. Yeah, a real negative connotation, mm-hmm. and, you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, some of the trailer homes were not real high quality and, and pretty... But I tell you, some of the stuff now, you'd be hard-pressed to realize it was a modular home, whatever. I mean, it's yeah. it's come a long way. So I think there is a way to go forward with pre-manufactured housing. Uh, but again, we need the support from the community. If the community wants housing, you have to help us find the way forward. It's never easy, is it? No, <laughs> and, you know, and I get the concern, but... They tried to raise a bunch of safety concerns about pre-manufactured house, and I don't agree with the things they say. Well, you know, um, in transit, what if a pipeline or um, uh, wiring in the wall gets jarred and could pose a, a, a fire hazard? Well, my response to that is, well, you know, we get so many freaking earthquakes around here that if, every time we shake a house, we're going to reinspect everything again. And that's not reasonable. So yeah. I think we're... I think there's a way forward. We just have to keep the talk story and push it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thanks. Al, did you have a question? Yeah, I have. Uh, you got to speak oh. into your mic. You can't hear? Yeah. <laughs> Get close to it. Okay. Um, uh, uh, it's more of a personal concern. Mm. I need to um, reapply for uh, food help. Mm-hmm. And... One of the questions is, uh, when was my last day of work? And if I have a W-2, well, I don't have either. And the company that I was working for was under a county contract. How can I get, oh, maybe you can steer me to what department I can get this get these answers. Okay, um, easiest one for you is to contact my office and we'll get the details of what you're talking about and um amy and we always got to talk about <laughs> yeah, amy yeah. <laughs> there we go. Um, so call amy and <laughs> i'll give you the phone number 887-2069 she'll get the details and then we'll talk story and i have some ideas of where to send you i probably won't have the exact answer but i know mm-hmm. we can start and between Amy and us working on, we'll, we'll find out who you got to talk story with. Thank you so much. Yeah, you bet. You know, I've got to tell you this thing that uh, Al, uh, this is a good friend of mine, and, you know, we're talking about this. You know, he says, Jeff, i got this problem, you know, and 
I'm sure he's not the only one. There's other people that a lot of people need help today. And I said, you know what, Tim's going to be on the program tonight. Why don't you ask him, uh, tell him your concern? And he said, really? I said, yeah, you know how much he makes? <laughs> <laughs> nah, no. No, 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 no. But seriously, I said, that's what these guys are here for. If they yeah. can help you, they'll help you. And I'm glad you came out and, and yeah, kind of heal, heal, you know, Thank to you. go ask. Well, you know, and, and that's the thing. But, I mean, Al, seriously, that's what they're, we're here for. And we may not have the quick answer for you. Amy might because she seems to know an Amy or Dot. But between my staff, we'll figure out who to call to get the answers for you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, right on, Tim. Really appreciate that. And thank you, Gerald, uh, for you guys. You know, just the last minute, you stopped by. You want to sit and listen to what you have to say and stuff. We've got one minute left. Yeah, uh, I'm just going to touch on something. Go ahead. This could be one minute or one hour, but um, Kohala Ditch. Everybody oh, knows yeah. we lost the Kohala Ditch. And back in April, uh, there is a concerted, unified effort to get Kohala Ditch water back in the ditch. And it's kind of a three-phase. There's a cooperative that's been formed, and it's gelling together. The users are coming together. A um, lot of different feelings, aspects, directions. But the best part is it's the whole community is starting to gel and come together. And I'm working very closely with everybody. First phase, get water to some of the users. Not everybody, because it's not going to be that, but it'll come out of tunnels and wells. Second phase actually get water back in the ditch, whether it's in a pipe or in the ditch, whatever. So we're working on all those levels. And I just uh, a shout-out to the community as a whole for banding together and trying to seek a way forward to, for that, for agriculture, mm -hmm. for Kohala. Right on. Mm -hmm. uh, really appreciate you coming on the show, Tim. It was always uh, good fun. Yeah, people look forward to this, i, I got to tell you. Even though it's uh, a month apart, but they, they love getting these updates and, you know, because you can sit and listen to it. Yep. You didn't got to oh. read through it. But anyway, thank you, Al. Thank you, Gerald. Yeah, and I want to thank you, uh, people in Kohala, for listening in. Uh, next week, I think we're going to go back and uh, talk with my cousin, Miley Spencer. Uh, and she's going to be talking about some other things. In fact, you know, our, our, our grand uncle was uh, the mayor of the, the, the county. But anyway, that's a story for next week. All right. Aloha and mahalo and take care. This is Aloha Country on KNKRLP 96.1 FM, Kohala.